iTunes presents Meet the Filmmaker at the Apple Store. Welcome, welcome. Please join me in welcoming Lisa Kudrow, Brooke Shields, Dan Bukatinsky, and guest moderator from USA Today, Donna Friedkin. I do too. I love Lisa. I love, well, I love Lisa also. So I'm in the best I seat <laughs> I've ever been in in my entire life. So Dan and Lisa, you guys have been friends and writing partners for a very long time. How did you guys, first of all, find out about the show in the UK and why did you decide to bring it over here? Well, I found the show because um, I was in Ireland working and they were showing the, you know, the British show. And I was riveted and I didn't know who their national household names were necessarily. And, and I just thought it w they were really compelling stories when, you know, when, when there's genealogy and then you get the context, the historical context for it, and you get a backstory, and it just really fills it out and makes it fascinating. And I just thought, why can't we have a show like this in the U.S.? I mean, I, I, I think, you know, we would like that show. Lisa came back from Ireland and then she showed us some DVDs uh, that she had gotten of the show and we called the, the, BB, the British producers, Al, um, Alex Graham from Wall to Wall, and we got on the phone and we were all so excited about each other's work and what they had done and what we had done and we're like, this is great, this is something we should be doing and so we started a dialogue and, and, it, and it worked out. Did you guys, I mean, how did you adapt the show? Were there any fundamentals that you had to change to make it more amenable to an American audience, or did you just kind of keep it the way it was for the most part? Well, the BBC version is a 59-minute, no commercial, um, turn your cell phones off, um, uh, 59 minutes, no commercials, and, and obviously a network show was going to have less time, commercial breaks, act breaks, and also this need, I think, to sort of, while it's like nothing that's ever been on network television before, there was a need to sort of use music and pace and recaps and coming ups to sort of make it fit within the lexicon of, of network television. And extremely famous people. <laughs> Which brings me to my next question. How did you guys, arm, how'd you guys get over into Beyond? I mean, did you just pick up the phone, you're like, hey, Brooke, what's up, what are you doing tomorrow? A little bit. <laughs> Uh, well, I, I got a phone call from Dan, who I was lucky enough to work with on Lipstick Jungle, and it was a little show I did in NBC. It's canceled. A great um, show. Anyway, and I had been even, even luckier, because then I got to meet you, uh, where I worked with Lisa uh, one fateful time uh, years back, and it was amazing, and so we kept in touch, and they said, would you be interested in charting your genealogy? And I thought that I already knew a great deal. So I said, yes, but I kind of know already where I came from. And he said, well, let's just do some research. And then if, if we find something, we'll come back to you and then say it's worthy of a, a show. And of course, I didn't hear back from them for the longest time. I thought, great, there's nothing to talk about. <laughs> and I'm not interesting. And then I get this sort of, will you come and sit down with us talk? <laughs> and it, what resulted was, a, was an unbelievable experience. What, of, of all the stories that you guys filmed and you saw, which one kind of surprised or shocked or flabbergasted you the most? You know, I think nothing in the world can prepare you for Brooke's story, number one. <laughs> it's, a, it's a fairy tale. Yeah. And that's, it really I, you know, is. I've, 
I used to, she came back from um, being in Ireland and had this great idea for a television show. I've come back from places like that and I just have an accent. <laughs> Completely affected. Um, so I, I still thought that I was going to find something that I would sort of put under the category of just sort of tabloid headlines, you know, things that I kind of had an idea about, but that we would just, you know, use and it would be maybe information for people to, I don't know, find entertaining. But at every step of the way, it just kept becoming more and more unbelievable and absurd. And I completely felt that I had come from one place, and it, and it turns out the, a completely different place. And there was this whole... Don't worry about ruining turn. surprises. Okay. Yes. Well, I, I, I we, got, I believe it, we got emails that were like, she's French. She's French. She, we, we got these exciting emails along the way, like, oh my God, don't tell Brooke. Don't tell Brooke, she's French. It was like this bit, it was a huge revelation. And actually, to answer your question also, Lisa always talks about, and it's really true, there, is, there are these moments in every single one of the seven that cannot be explained. There are these magical coincidences or moments that like, you know, the fact that you have always been drawn to the French culture, to French literature, and yet always believed you were Italian. I mean, the notion of that being, you couldn't even script that. I mean, in all my life, I was I was taught that that was just where my family came from. It was all Rome, it was all Italy, and it was all... Um, and then there's Newark, which is my mom's side. <laughs> um, but there was always this sort of belief that that was where it was. And I studied French in university. I was always enamored and had this sort of sense of being... Feeling like I belonged there. And then learned the language, studied the language, did all my studies in French, wrote a thesis on a, a French director, and did this whole thing, and then find out, come to find out that it was via, <laughs> it all started in, in France. But the fun is just to see Brooke's face when she's in France and looking at these baptismal records to find out that the patriarch of the Italian family was French, and so was his father, and she's like, he's French-French. Like, really this French. isn't a gag. Really French. For real. She's well, so happy. I'm so, I mean, you know, I think that you just want, and I think we all have this sort of, insatiable desire to really know ourselves um, and be known as the place you came from. You know, I always wanted to know my roots as far as not just the immediate, but there was also something that I, I remember looking at the records and reading everything in, in the Italian and then feeling like they had made a typo because the actual pronunciation and the, and the, the spelling of it was meant to be a, a different spelling. Turns out the, fr the spelling that was meant to be was French. And I was correcting them saying, no, no, this is improper spelling because that's not the way you spell it. And they said, well, that's it. We're on our way to Augerola, France, this little teeny town. What was uh, the filming process like? Because I talked to Sarah Jessica Parker about this and she likened it to like documentary slash theater because no hair, no makeup, no trailers, no 10 personal assistants, like nothing. It's just you and... Whatever oh, really? genealogist you're working with. Did you get to have any of that? Oh, I guess sorry. You know. <laughs> I think SJP. as we went along with the shooting, we I was the first one and I was carrying C stands through the airport. But um, <laughs> a C stand, you see, is. Um, no, but. <laughs> but um, yeah, that, that is what it was like. But you know, it is really important to keep the crew small because it needs to be intimate. And because you're learning intimate things so when you have a big group of people around I think it kind of gets in the way also I think most of the people that were experienced or got the, were lucky enough to experience this are used to being able to be on 
used to not showing your real feelings and the show must go on or you may have had a bad day or something may be going on but you still have to present a certain part of yourself that is calculated um and for me the surprise element of it was what was so um sort of disarming in in many ways but was so important to me so that i didn't have a chance in my own brain to sort of construct how i wanted my reaction to come across and that sounds like I really need therapy but you ask any maybe not they, maybe other people won't admit it but almost everybody in the public eye does that and so this was the first environment where you are you don't want that to happen and they make it impossible for it to happen so it is all such a surprise to you and to be able to have those reactions be purely who you are and not something that you've sort of tried to put forth is really kind of a gift. You see a side of each one of these seven that you've never seen before because Matthew Broderick is is just purely authentic and Susan Sarandon is very much like no none of the two were the similar and some were very talkative. Um, Emmett Smith, though his natural way of sort of taking himself through the experience was oddly educational and inspirational. He'd want to stop and he'd want to go through it and talk about it. And it's extremely compelling to watch because he's processing it authentically and we're yeah, watching it. And he's processing a lot. I mean, there's so, I can't even imagine, you know, the, the, the slavery stories because there's, um, there's Emmett and there's Spike Lee. It's so complicated. I mean, that's the part where, um, you know, where you see Emmett realize that one of his ancestors, he's reminded by a historian, is actually your great, 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 great grandfather. And to watch Emmett have to, you know, process the rage at this person who probably raped his, you know, great 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 grandmother you know and then the way he processes it and, and and comes out the other end of it with well i'm you know i'm glad my heart isn't like his because he, he's just about like moving forward and keep going so that i, I don't know those stories are are so compelling i, think, I, I yeah. think also there's this there's this forgiveness that happens that it yes there's a catharsis in learning about the truth, but also there's this, there's a different type of forgiveness that you're presented with the opportunity to experience. And it happens through education, through really an, an empathy, which is the, to learn the facts and not be told how to feel about it, or not, or not to be so, so current that you have a knee-jerk reaction. There's this level of empathy that you, that gets, um, stories get revealed to you and you're empathetic towards them and then you find a different way to forgive. You forgive the more immediate people in your life because then you understand where they came from and there's a that's a huge, I don't think I really anticipated that being a piece of I found that this. to be so moving about yours. You were so honest about your feelings about your grandmother. You were so candid about them when you started. And then you go on this journey and learn all of this really personal, heartbreaking stuff that, about her. Yeah, well, and Brooke it changes you. even said, she's like, well, I hated her, her grandmother, her maternal <laughs> grandmother. She was mean to your mother. And... I hated her. I hated her. <laughs> I did. And, and, and you wanted to know, like, what makes a person so bitter? Yeah, yeah. and what it's, makes a heart so dark, you know, and what makes a person capable of treating other people that way? 
And, you know, again, it's a different type of forgiveness. It's not forgiving the actions done, but it's finding a sense of of, of compassion for the road that that led somebody somewhere to be the way they are and their, their impoverished heart that kind of ensues. Well, Brooke, how has your life changed since, since doing this? Well, now I make people um, kiss my ring when they meet me. And you speak, and it, you speak in French, and everyone? I only speak in French, and sometimes I just talk like this because uh, uh, you say... Pourquoi uh, pas? <laughs> and I can't be those. So that's, and those are the real ways I've changed. And oddly, you have a sore neck today. <laughs> I do have a sore neck. King Louis XVI. Yes. <laughs> Um, it still doesn't uh, miraculously get me um, through the lines at the Louvre, <laughs> or like I don't have like a pass now to Versailles. But, <laughs> but um, you know, it, it what it what it did more than anything because I feel like the fantasy of my story that was um, revealed is it's what it is. It's a fantasy. It actually doesn't change my day to day in the way I live. You know, I, I, um, but what it has done is it's it allowed me to put myself in a context that was much bigger. And I think that that's been the most important thing f- for me in understanding people that I was hurt by and that I loved and that I do love. But can I say something about, I think, I think every person Every family has a story. And the one thing that drew me to this series was that the stories were all so inspiring because it's not an easy planet, you know, it never has been. And the fact that any of us are here means that the people who came before us endured something horrible. So to me, that's really inspiring. And then even if, you know, you're not that royalty doesn't endure horrible things, but then if you also find out that you come from, there's greatness in it too, then that's also possibly something that's comforting to get you through some hard times. But just knowing that it's in all of us, we're all, you know, the product of survivors. And you guys would want to do a second season, given the chance. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Dan, would you want to be on the second season? Me? Yeah, because you're the odd man out here. (laughs) Well, I think we can, uh, I think we can aim a little higher. Not that it wouldn't be fascinating to uh, study. My parents are from Argentina. and there's, Again, the show has made me very interested in what the personal mm-hmm. struggles were that led to different people. You know, that every single time you think about the present, you realize that we are living the history of 100 years from now. Mm-hmm. So it really makes you think differently about it. But I think that if we do a second season, there are so many other great stories to tell. And the celebrity angle of the show is really the way in. Mm-hmm. It's really a way of saying, okay, yes, you may believe that you know this person intimately. And you realize you just scratch the surface and go back in time. And you come to know them much more differently and come to realize that they're part of the same fabric of history that you are. So in a weird way, they are telling our story. I, my story is being told by some of these other people. So I, as a producer, I think I'd rather get, you know... No, but I, I, one of the goals, else. though, for me anyway is that you know there is enough of a following that we do enough of these that people come to trust that if we're broadcasting it it's interesting so we can start using you know uh viewers mm-hmm. you know I also think that there's something bigger that happens with all of this, that these, you say, yes, you think you know this person, but for also for those people, you know, for those people who happen to be well-known or, you know, famous in some way, or there's this sort of something happens where this person gets sort of thrown onto this pedestal, 
what it also does is it not just says that we're of the same w world, but that we there is this truly, truly human element that we all experience, which is it really where did I come from? What, where? Like deep, deep, why am I predisposed to this? Why do I have this nagging thing that, that tells me something? And where does it come from? And if you don't have the stories, you, everybody has an interesting story to tell. And I think the celebrity inter is, is interesting because it's like that page, they're just like us. <laughs> um, but there is that, there's that too, which is allows these people who maybe have sort of become isolated to feel that they are like everybody else in the world who has a heart. When you guys were shooting, did you have uh, essentially have carte blanche with when when someone signed on, whatever happened, whatever unfolded, you 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 were at liberty to shoot. Does that make yes. sense, or oh, am I yeah. asking yeah. a question? No, 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 that makes is sense. always allowed to just walk away from okay. the camera. Yeah, okay. I know I had to do it. Mm -hmm. You know, at one point I just turned away because mm -hmm. I couldn't. I didn't want to be filmed anymore because I was getting a little overwrought. But um, yeah, it's all the subject's always allowed to just. And, also, and they're being confronted for the first time. I mean, we don't we don't let the entire travel plan. We know we don't let the, each of the celebrities necessarily know where they're going. Lisa was told, you know, bring a cold, bring a coat. Really? Bring a warm coat. No, no, anything about where you're going. Oh, you, you just no show up at the airport like and that's I it? I had to insist on, I, okay, but three days of warm clothes? I mean, I'm doing my own wardrobe. And how much underwear? <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. I mean. But also, it, every single fact that is, um, that is followed, every, every, there were some questions that were sort of unanswered, and even though we knew what it had to, we, f we followed it, they had followed it, because there wasn't proper documentation, mm -hmm. we couldn't claim that. So there are, you know, you've got the, you're dealing with just, you have to choose sort of one, one side of one parent. So, you know, that does leave a lot un, unanswered, but even within ours, there were certain things where I would say, but that means that that baby was that person's baby and didn't even live in that house. Like, how does that happen? And it all followed suit. We had it, but we couldn't find the final documentation that would allow us to put it on television. But there's so much more that we learned that was just, my mouth was just gape. Amazing. We also let a lot of people, you know, we let, if somebody had to confront something that, mm -hmm. they, that was really uncomfortable, mm -hmm. we would always defer to the, to the subject to say, is this, you know, is okay? we don't have to do this. We don't have to, you know. No, but that's what the initial interview is for anyway. Okay. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Because you guys really showed, like, very intimate sides of, 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 of people, you included. So that, that, that makes, that was just, uh, made me wonder, how did yeah. you get that? Yeah. You know, because you don't see that a lot, or ever, really. But, you know, the other thing is that, you know, the show, while, you know, we start off mm -hmm. with Brooke, soon enough, the show is really about Teresa Dollinger, you know, and then, you know, Marino Torlonia. And, and you know, that, that's what, who the show is about. And Alex Graham, who created the show, is always asked, why don't you do ordinary people? And his answer is, we do do ordinary people. It's just that their great, 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 you know, grandchildren are become famous. So, and I got to ask Dan, since you guys have been working together for years now, who's tougher, you or Lisa? Tougher? Yeah, a tougher, tougher as a producer. Oh. Um, I think Lisa. Really? <laughs> really? I think, I, 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 it just depends on the context. I mean, I, I'm, 
I don't know. We're very different. We, we, it's a we've, different kind of topic. We've done a lot of things together, and mm-hmm. we play different roles, and we definitely yin and yang a lot. But we're, um, I think we make a good partnership in that way. I have a feeling people want to substitute tougher for bitchier. Oh, no, no. I'm, I'm bitchier. Okay. <laughs> He's definitely bitchier. I'm bitchier. I'm bitchier. No, I mean tougher I'm than like, who's the bigger, you know, more perfectionist, just, just tougher, not bitchier at all. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a control freak, and I'm persnickety, and I'm, you know... I don't know. That's a really good question. I, I have to think about it. Maybe but. it's just that I've spent more, much more time with you in that sort of type of environment that, where yeah. we've gotten emotional, whereas Lisa can go, and I'm like, oh, oh yeah, whatever you say, I'll, I'll do it. You know, there's just something about it. Yeah, Lisa, you're in good a at, great you're, way, not, not in, in a, just a, from a strength and intelligence and a different... Yeah, you cut you know, to the chase better than I do, as can be quick. evidenced by this answer. <laughs> <laughs> this See, is being a she's nutshell. sitting there. <laughs> well, anyway, let's open this up to the audience. Do you guys have questions? I'm sure people out there have questions. You guys did not come out on a rainy what? What is today? Wednesday. Wednesday. Check. We have a microphone. Just raise your hand, and we'll come to you. Who tra- Who traced back the farthest in their history? Brooke. Brooke. How far? 950 AD, right? San Luis. I've been around a long time. (laughs) Yeah. Once you hit royalty or pay dirt. (laughs) At one point, I looked at one of the researchers and I said, he's like, so do you want to know who else you're related to? And I was like, what, Jesus? Bring it on. (laughs) Like, come on. Bring it on. (laughs) Bring it on. (laughs) So it was, it, it kept just, it just never ended. It was extraordinary. Brooke, do your daughters uh, d- demand special treatment now, or do they do they know? I have. They already act like them. princesses. You can't even <laughs> tell them anymore. Um, no, they don't. They they don't have the full kind of understanding of it. You know, they just they thought it was you know great that I brought back chocolate <laughs> from France. <laughs> yes. Right here in the center. Hi, um, I come from Ireland and I've just moved to New York, so I'm fascinated by the whole immigrant side of things because um, the Irish thing in America is very big and I find in Ireland that a lot of people from America come and they, there's always that need to find where they're from and uh, I feel myself that it's a genetic thing, that it's probably in the genes like... Brooke said there about her ancestry or the French thing that uh, in some ways I feel that the the thing of being Irish is that it's a very positive thing and uh, that if we welcome them home so anybody that has Irish ancestry or feel they have it, they're very welcome in Ireland Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, that's you know, if we get to do more of these, we're sure they're going to be many Irish stories. Well, there was yeah. a, again, there, we, my grandfather on my dad's side, so we, had, we sort of found my, my grandmother on my father's side, but my grandfather was Irish and went back all the way. We, we, but then, you know, you can only tell so much of, of us in 40 minutes. And so, but when I heard that, you know, we spent the millennium in, in Ireland, my family and I, and, 
And it was, I think there's that feeling, not just because I, you know, was having a pint, did I feel like I was more comfortable, but, or two, <laughs> me, I don't know. Um, but that there was, uh, especially in Ireland, there is this welcoming home type of a, of a celebration that you definitely, that you feel there. I also feel like our show, um, maybe not in comparison to the British show, but I, I do feel like the, it's, an, it's an immensely American show and that w- we weren't finding a lot of stories that didn't, that weren't compelling. I mean, the fact that, that this is such a young country, the fact that there are so many immigrant stories, the fact that the desire to come to America is part of the fabric of almost everybody's story we were finding a lot of very, I think we will continue to find a lot of really interesting, rich stories from those who came from Latin America and Ireland and Africa. And it, I think it's going to be a really interesting thing to explore. Is there one specific, uh, like if you could work backwards, is there one specific country or region or part of the world that you would want, want to explore, find someone to explore it through? There is not just one, because I think there's something fascinating to learn from every country's history. So, yeah. Yeah, I think it's going to I think it's going to depend. There's a lot of similar. We're also trying in one season not to tell too many of the same, you know, not too many Irish stories and get get as much variety as possible. Right over here to your right. So why do you think we feel sort of proud or sort of guilty when it's with respect to something that we don't have any agency over, you know, actions of people of the past. Uh, why do you think that happens? Why do I, I missed the first part. I'm sorry. Why we feel proud? Yeah, sort of proud or sort of guilty, as it were, uh, when we don't have any agency over the actions of uh, people, you know, from the past. That's a good question. Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I... I'm not sure. I mean, I think we all, like, Brooke, well, Brooke, you were saying, we all want to just, like, know who we are, and so any information. And I don't think it's about, um, I think I understand you when you say have agency over something, sort of have a, a, have a bearing on, I think that's what you mean, but I think that it's also not so much about having, affecting your past. It's, it's about understanding it and being proud for, from that you came from it, no matter whether it's good or bad. And when, when he said, you know, he's just glad his heart was in the right place, to realize what you've come from and the devastation and the ugliness of a lot of it, but then to feel that he has somehow chosen to use the best parts of his heart. I think that that allows you to be not necessarily proud, but compassionate and also just understanding rather than just saying it was okay that the actions happened, whatever it was, but to sort of say, I had no control over that, but I do have control over what I do today. We have one here right in front for you. Um, Since you guys finished shooting, have you found yourselves digging deeper to find out even more information? Like, have you kind of gotten obsessed with it because you found out so much from the show itself? (laughs) Um, Well, I've actually sort of now made uh, made a point to... (laughs) to try to seek out anybody that's still alive <laughs> that has the address Versailles. <laughs> no, um, but it, there's a lot of little truth to that. But, um, but I think it's just sort of, <clears throat> I now have gotten in touch with cousins that, because once my father died, there was 
there was some bad blood, so there was no communication. And now I've gotten back in touch with his aunts and his cousins and, you know, gone like that. And I've actually gotten back in touch with my mother's sister, um, who, you know, always took my grandmother's side. And I basically put her in a lump over there and just refused to have anything to do with her. And, you know, it, it spurred me to open up the communication and say, you know, also FYI, this is what I found out about your mother. And, you know, she might want to know it. And it wasn't to throw it in her face. It was actually really heartfelt way of just sort of saying, you know what, life is an unbelievable journey anyway, and I'm not going to hold that pettiness in my heart. And, you know, so that it sort of ended up being that for me. Do you still Skype with with them? I'm I'm in touch with um, relatives that I met from the show that live in Poland. Yeah, but I am still doing research to find out if there's a, there's a glimmer of hope that I can go back further in Belarus because a part of my father's family was from a bigger city where there are records and you know a synagogue wasn't burned to the ground. And so they might be in there. So I'm, I'm about to investigate that. I'm trying to see if I'm related to Brooke. So I'm deeply, deeply, so far nothing. But I'm not going to stop. We are I've, related somehow. All the way back. All the way back. Right down here in the front row. Hi, um, I'm Venus here. I'm from Malaysia. I'm Malaysian Chinese. Um, to Brooke, I just want to ask you actually, how does this whole thing um, affect your life and how does it inspire you before and after you found out about your roots? You know, the, the whole, it's very inspiring just because you realize that everybody does have a story and everybody's story is as valid and as amazing and heartbreaking as the next and that nobody is exempt from that extraordinary um, past, no matter what it is. And it's made me realize, too, that I grew up sort of very truncated from my entire family. There was this wall that had been put up, some walls by me, some by my, all members of the family. And so I don't want that for my children. So it's that, knowing that and craving the knowledge, I now am much more open to my children being aware of all of it, their dad's whole family, my whole family, and sort of that's how it's changed because I thought of myself on that same little island with my husband and my kids, and I didn't need to tell anybody anything, and they were just going to start their life with me, and I was going to start my family over. And, you know, that's, that's not fair, and, it, and it's not human. <laughs> so it's made me much uh, more generous. We have one here to your left over on the end. The show's... The show sounds really extraordinary and beautiful, and I'm curious if any of your friends' castmates, Lisa, are going to do it, if, or if you would approach them. And well, I, don't, I haven't asked. Um, we need to get picked up first <laughs> in order to even do any more, so I'm waiting for that. And of course, A lot of people to watch on Friday, <laughs> and every Friday at 8 o'clock on NBC. There's another one here in the second row. It's a gentleman standing. Hi, how are you? My name is Shafiq. Um, I came a little bit late, so sorry if this question is redundant or if you already asked it. But basically, I was curious to see what kind of methodologies you guys use in order to trace your individual genealogy paths. And if you've heard of the Genographic Project by National Geographic. Heard of what? I didn't hear. Heard of what? The, the, the Geographic Project? The Geographic oh, Project. Oh, yeah. No, I, I, I have heard of that. I haven't seen it, um, but I have heard of that. Um, we did... Um, 
we worked with Ancestry.com, they're a partner in the show. So they have access to a lot of records. And then we also used historians who are sort of tops in their fields for whatever historical period, you know, we needed to know more about. Like for Sarah Jessica Parker, the gold rush, for example, because she had an ancestor who went out from Ohio to California. So, you, you know... We got in contact with them. Well, and then the gentleman from Newark, um, he was the he, he was a professor as well. I mean, and that has he had been that was his area. That was his area, you know. And um, we I was told that Newark um, was where celluloid was actually invented, and the my my alma mater was a was a university that actually started off in Newark, and then because they had to move the campus they moved it to Princeton, New Jersey. Oh, Brooke. So it was sort of, you know, and I was like, oh, Newark, and <laughs> just that's Brooke, you got to give Jersey a shout-out, don't I you? I know, I do, Always. you got to. It's like, you know, it, it made me tough. There was the Iron Band section. You, you got to survive that. <laughs> but those were two elements, and this gentleman wrote a book about it and was a, a historian and an expert on, on that, um, the Iron Band section and all of Newark as well. We have one right here in the front. Hi, how you doing? My name is Amir Smith, and um, basically, I wanted to know. First off, I want to say that you guys are doing like what what you guys are doing is very beautiful and very cool. I really am very interested in it. And um, thank you. Yeah. Furthermore, I just wanted to know the beginning process of uh, of how you guys go about doing things because um, I'm from a very diverse uh, family, and I would like to know how do you guys navigate through the history of uh, one's uh, ancestry, as far as dominant is concerned. It's one person at a time. And I think the very first thing you have to do is talk to older relatives and just mine the gold of whatever stories they have. And then you start the research process to try to corroborate those stories. Find those names and dates. And Ancestry.com is really an excellent um, source. And... Um, you go from there and you just keep going back because there are documents, let's say a census report or, or, yeah, a census report or you can find an obituary and then they tell you the person's, um, you know, parents' names. So now you're another generation back. And you just keep doing the search. And Ancestry also gives you some um, clues, hints, some, you know, helpful suggestions about how to navigate that. Well, also during war, there, during wars, there were um, when you the roll calls. They have they have every single roll call. All right, the muster rolls. The muster rolls, yeah. every single one. So we were looking at not just microfiche, but that was just the birth certificates. But then we saw we went to Washington and and saw all of the muster calls and all of them, and we had to, we had to look at you know dates and they had found them and then I had to sort of discover you know, what happened during those dates that my a great 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 grandfather of mine had disappeared from one point to the next and I thought he was a deserter. You yeah, know, that was a great story that didn't make it into Brooks episode that had impact. Because go ahead, well, he wasn't I, a deserter. There was this feeling that, you know, the the sort of the men in the, in my sort of maternal the maternal side that they all deserted, defected, left, died. Whatever they did, they sort of abandoned people that they that they loved. And I, so when I found when we were looking at the muster records, and here he was, he, he made roll call, and then done, and he was gone. And I thought, gosh, you know, of course, of course, 
he, he deserted everybody. That's what, where I'm from, a line of deserters. You know, it turned out he was so sick with dysentery and got disoriented and got lost and was in various hospitals. And, you know, just finding out that they weren't <laughs> such a bad lot and that they weren't a bunch of deserting men. <laughs> but you also were able to get his rank reinstated. Got and his they, rank reinstated because right? they had, um, they, they had, it was time for his tombstone to, I forgot about that, yeah, yeah. his tombstone to be replaced because it had been so worn from the Civil, when he died during the Civil War. Um, and they, they said, well, it's coming up on replacement. And I said, well, can his rank be, his true rank be put back in? Because he was a corporal and they had he demoted was, him. They demoted him because he got lost, not realizing that he was, that he was sick and really in a, in a little hospital somewhere. So that was something you say, has it changed? I mean, now that there's a tombstone that looks different than it did prior, and had I not, had we not, had they not shown us that, we wouldn't have been able to fight that and get that reinstated. Well, I think you guys that we are. Oh, one more, one more in the mid middle. <coughs> and then I, I already went. Hello, sorry, I, I've already been on air, but um, I just remembered when you were talking about that, that Muhammad Ali was honored in my local town in Ennis County Clare because his ancestors came from there. And uh, last September, there was a big welcome home party for Muhammad Ali. And as it transpires, he comes from the same small part of the world as I am. And I said the welcome home that he got was incredible. I'm sure it touched the hearts of many people. The media covered it from all over the world. So it's a small world. Yeah. Thank you. It sure is. How is the anticipation for the showing of these shows different from when you're going into a show where you're a fictional character? I missed the first part. I guess. How that's do you my feel trend. differently about it? Um, are you more excited that a, a part of you is going to be exposed, or how is it different? Excited that a part of you is going to be exposed? No. <laughs> but um, but what's interesting is you don't get really judged for just who you are. <laughs> I love it. You can get judged very strongly for who you are trying to pretend to be. <laughs> and there is something very, for me, although uncomfortable, um, very nice to know that there is this feeling of, hey, I don't care what you think of me. This is the truth. So it's not, oh, she didn't do that so well. It's like, that's, it's inarguable. <laughs> I mean, it's arguable, I should say. Right. Well, thank you guys so much for coming out, and thank, thank you. Thank you.